TYB On The Run with your host, Katie Halday. This is your daily Bible blast, the perfect fit for your busy life. Just one chapter, one revelation. This will change your life. Okay, TYB On The Run, how great is this going through the Gospel of John? So we're now going to have a look at John 4. I'm going to read a fair bit about this because I want to go through the um, Jesus talking to the Samaritan woman and I want to talk about when the, the disciples rejoin Jesus at this point. This is such an incredible story of one encounter with Jesus transforming a whole community that, was, that were outcasts. Um, and I am probably going to cry and I'm going to do my best not to. <laughs> John 4. Now, Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his disciples. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, um, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Uh, His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? As did also his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. He told her, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you you want or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I've ever done. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. 
Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at your fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows, another another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and, and so he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. I did it without crying, TYB. This is such an incredible moment where Jesus really, really shows himself as not just the Messiah, the son of God for the Jews, but for all people. And I love that about Jesus. Every time I read the Gospels, I am moved by how much Jesus goes after the people who are outcasts, the people that we think are exempt from salvation, the people that we think aren't holy enough or the people that we think are are too sinful to be saved. They are the ones that Jesus goes after. And we have this beautiful story in John 4 of Jesus talking with a Samaritan woman. Now, this is controversial. <laughs> this, is, this is not just controversial on a, a Jewish level. This is controversial on a rabbi level. This is controversial on a discipleship level. This is controversial on a male to female level. This whole story is offensive. Why? Because Jesus goes beyond the boundaries of salvation. You know, you're not allowed to speak to women at this time, especially a rabbi, a holy man is not allowed to speak to a woman, let alone a Samaritan woman, let alone a Jewish rabbi, which they are, talking to a Samaritan woman. You, It's so amazing to see the difference between Jesus' reaction to this woman and the disciples' bias, the disciples' disgust almost when they when they come in. So you've got to watch that, okay? Watch how Jesus reacts and then watch the natural reaction of the disciples. That's what we're watching in this. Okay. Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although in fact it was not Jesus who, I love this clarification of John. It's like, well, Jesus actually didn't baptize anyone. The disciples did. These are these moments that John kind of gives us the inner, inner, um, gist of the story. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. We have this incredible moment, not just this pinnacle moment of what this plot of ground is. This 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 well, this um Jacob had given this ground to Joseph and it was Jacob's well. This Oh, I mean, even study it from that perspective. This is the this is Jacob's well. This is this moment where the living water in in Jacob's day, where they would come and gather as as the people of God. And imagine Jesus going, "I'm gonna, I'm just about to change the way we think about Samaritans. Uh, what what place will I do that? How about we do that at Jacob's well? <laughs> I love these pinnacle moments and where he does where he does this." Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. 
Key point, it's 12 o'clock. 12 o'clock is not the time that you go and draw water. It's the middle of the day. It's hot. It's, 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 um, you draw water in the, in the morning. So women would go to this well and you would draw water in the morning because you had to go down, get the water. And she even says, you don't have a vessel. How are you going to get the water? So she's carried this vessel to get the water. The reason that she's there at noon is because she is a Samaritan. So let's keep going. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Uh, you know, this Samaritan woman can't go in the early hours of, of the day because the Jewish women probably wouldn't have spoken to her because Samaritan are a mixed caste. When um, Assyria invaded and and took the northern kingdom into, into exile, some some of the, the, the people, they mixed race between Assyria and Jews. And there was this intermingling. Now, the Bible clearly says in the Old Testament, do not marry anyone that is outside Judaism so or Israel. And so there was this outcast created, half-cast. They were Jewish, and you hear it. She says, my father, Jacob. So they're Jewish, but they've got mix in them, and so they're outcasts of the Jewish community. They are treated so badly. You, a Samaritan person and a Jew, and she says, she calls him on it. I love the way she calls him on it. He asks her for water. And she's, his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. I love the fact that Jesus does this when there's no one else around as well. So not only is he, is he a Jew, he shouldn't be speaking to a Samaritan, but he's a male on his own, should not be speaking to a female. And a rabbi, a holy man, should not be speaking to a Samaritan or a female. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? And then in brackets, John actually has to explain this and says, Jews do not associate with Samaritans. They hate them. They're outcasts. They're outside the grounds of salvation. For the Jews, they are not part of the people of God, not part of God's plan. They are unholy. And I love the fact that Jesus goes beyond the boundaries of salvation. TYB, nobody is beyond the boundaries of salvation. I have to say that sometimes in church we have people groups or, you know, um, people in our society that we just despise, like where they are beyond the boundaries of salvation. We are so judgmental towards them that we make them feel like they're beyond those boundaries. Stop it. <laughs> There is nobody. If Jesus came today, I can guarantee he wouldn't be hanging out in the church. He would be hanging out in the places that they need him. The sinners, the people that need him the most is where where the church should be. And as you can tell, I'm very passionate about that. We're not called to remain in our churches and be this elite holy society that looks down on everybody else. We are called to be a part of our communities, impacting them with the love of Christ. And this is what he does, and this is what I love about Jesus. He says, um, he answered her. Now, he doesn't correct her. He said, he doesn't say, no, you're wrong, because he knows she's right. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And he, he just says to he, he kind of guides her. It's so beautiful. So the woman said, you've nothing to draw with. And the she just, she's thinking in the natural like we all do when Jesus, <laughs> he's like, what a second. 
where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? Can you hear? So she's got that Jewish ties. She recognizes him, our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus, Jesus answers, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I will give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I will give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He's saying, stop thinking natural. Stop thinking that, I, that I'm going to provide you with natural. And I love she's still, you know what, I love the fact that, that Jesus is so beautiful with her because Jesus is so beautiful with us, TYB. When, when Jesus talks to me, I know sometimes I go, I can't, that, that goes straight into my natural brain and doesn't compute. And he allows us on that journey of taking it out of the natural into the supernatural. And that's what he does for this woman. He says, the woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Again, she's going a bit literal. And he, he says, okay, I need to reveal myself. He says, he told her, go and call your husband and come back. I love this moment. He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't come straight out and say, you don't have a husband like most Christians would. He just reveals it to her and allows her to reveal the truth to him. She says, I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. Can you see how he just confirms it? He doesn't condemn her. He doesn't say, yeah, you're, you know, you're filthy sinner. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. Oh, so beautiful, guys. When, when Jesus reveals the truth to people, he reveals, reveals the truth in love. He doesn't condemn he doesn't, come, he doesn't come in condemnation. He comes to save them. And I love this beautiful essence where he says, I'm telling you this to show you who I am, not to reveal your sinfulness. He says, I'm telling you this to show you that I know what you're talking about and I love and accept you for it. I love this moment. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. So he's like, she's like, you just read my book there. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the people where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman Jesus replied, he says, look, let's, let's, let's go further. Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. He's saying there is a time coming where you will be accepted everywhere. Your Samaritan, you Samaritans um, worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. He's saying salvation from the Jews in the sense of the Messiah is coming from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. He's this amazing moment where he's saying worship is not a place. Worship is not a place. Worship is a lifestyle. You will worship in spirit and in truth. How great is that? You do not go somewhere to worship. You worship is in everything that you do. I love this. The woman said, I know that Messiah. This is so beautiful because she's talking to the Messiah. I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus must have had the biggest smile on his face because he says, the one speaking to you, I am he. And you know what? When he reveals this to her, she believes. Remember the whole point of this. She does it. She knows. She can see the revelation. She can see he's a prophet. She can see the love. Now, notice the disciples. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. 
they don't know she's Samaritan just yet. Probably by her dress, they're both going to pick it. But she's. Hang on a second. Why is Jesus talking to a woman? But no one asked. John says, "What do you want, or why are you talking with her?" No one dared to critique him. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I have ever done. Could this be the Messiah? She recognizes it before the disciples. I love this. They came out of the town and made their way towards him. Revival starts with Jesus encountering one woman. Revival starts in our churches when we go after the outcasts, the people who are despised in this society, the people who the church has rejected. Revival starts when the church gets revived for the sinners and the people that are outside our churches. I love this moment. It says, um, meanwhile, his disciples ur- urged him, Rabbi, oh, this is so good. She calls him Messiah. She says, come, I think this guy's the Messiah. The disciples are still calling him Rabbi. They haven't even recognized who he is at this point. The woman has one encounter with Jesus and because the love and the prophetic nature and the way he engaged with her and the re- <coughs> excuse me, the revelation that he has, this incredible moment, She is shown the Christ and she believes. And the disciples say, Rabbi, eat something. And I love this moment that John left this in here. This is such an embarrassing moment for the poor disciples. He said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. The disciples said to each other, did someone bring him food? You can imagine poor Jesus going, why did I choose these people? He says, no, no one brought me food. He says, my food, Jesus says, is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. He's saying, I have just had an encounter with a Samaritan woman, prophesied over her, loved on her, revealed the truth to her, and I know that is my food. That is my goal, and I love this. They are. He says, don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps, is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I love this moment where this final point where he says, you're waiting for a harvest but your eyes aren't open. The harvest is already there. Why? Because they're looking at one community. They're looking at at just the Jews for the harvest. And he's saying, open your eyes. I don't know about you, TYB, but I get such a passion that the church needs to open their eyes beyond their borders, beyond the boundaries and see the harvest. You have people that you will impact that the church will never get to. I pray today, TYB, just like Jesus, that you will walk into situations and those people that think God hates them, that think that they're outside salvation. You will be that vessel of love and grace and prophetic utterance and revelation to them that they will know that they are called to believe in Jesus and become his disciples. Why? Because this is what Jesus did. And I love this. Because of that one woman, 
because of that encounter, because Jesus didn't choose bias, he chose love. He didn't choose hatred. He chose compassion because of that one encounter where the disciples said, how dare you be talking to a woman? They chose bias. Jesus went beyond his bias, beyond his his natural bias to preach to this beautiful woman revival. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And then I love this. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay and he did for two days. I love the fact that the revival happened and Jesus stayed with the Samaritans. The Jews would have been, the Pharisees would have been so offended at this. (laughs) And because of his words, many more became believers that this is the Messiah and this was the one we were being waiting for. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man is the saviour of the world. How beautiful is this story of this woman? First of all, she's waiting for him to hate on her. She's waiting for him to despise her. She's waiting for him to come in and, and not speak to her. And then when he does speak to her, He's so beautiful and so loving. Can I say it's the kindness of the Lord that leads people to repentance, not the judgment, not, you know, he could have said, you're a Samaritan woman, you need to repent and look at you with your five husbands and your sinner. He never said that. He led her into love and revelation. And that's what Christ does in this story. I don't know about you guys, but I am convicted, TYB, to lead people into the love and revelation that Jesus is the Messiah. Lead them into it. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. I absolutely adore this story that we go beyond our biases. We go beyond our hatred. Even the people that that our culture tells us to hate, even the people that maybe Christians hate just because we've always done that. That's so horrible. Let us be vessels of love and revelation and bring Christ into every situation. I hope you've loved this. I so love this story of the Samaritan woman. And I want you to go out and find your Samaritan woman and love on them and prophesy them and see them saved in Jesus' name.